This week's episode is brought to you by the sweet release of the end of that game against the Ducks. Holy crap, what a terrible hockey game. This has got to be one of the gutsiest clubs in the National Hockey League. It's a breakaway! McKinnon, pure guts! They got nothing but guts! Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass, and look at the patient, my goodness. Guts all over the place, I can't believe it. And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, Oregon evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for March 4th, 2019. Coming up on the show, Colorado buy a rental, and then do their best to piss away their playoff spot. But before we, play, before we talk about being pissed, you need to know who it is being pissed. In this corner, we have Earl Isaac. What's up, Earl? Howdy, folks. And in that corner, we have Tiger Vixen. What's going on? Hello. And standing on the turnbuckle for some reason, it's Rudo. Hi to you, Rudo. Oh, God, don't jump off that. As we look at the league this evening, the Avalanche are in a hotly contested race for the wildcard spot that nobody seems to want. They have uh, 68 points right this second as we speak. That's two points out of the second wildcard spot, which is Minnesota 70. But they play later tonight, so it could be Dallas's 71 points they're chasing here. Arizona are just north of Colorado with 69 points. Nice. The rest of the West is fairly cemented as either in or out. Maybe not as solidly as the East, where we're mainly just waiting to see whether Yarmo Kekalainen spent all his draft picks to miss the playoffs, but we're coming down to mathematical eliminations here. On Monday, the Avs took their shiny new impending UFA rental player that they spent draft capital on and lost to his old team. 4-3 in overtime to the Florida Panthers. Derek Broussard did get on the board on the back of a killer individual play from Ryan Graves, as did Tyson Jost and Mikko Rantanen. This game was wild, featured... 77 total shots on goal. Just kind of the big old mess from start to finish. Then on Wednesday, Avs win after regulation for the first time since November, but it was still not an OT win. 3-2 over the Vancouver Canucks in the shootout. Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen score here, and big old Carl Soderberg puts in the shootout winner. Colorado deserved a result in regulation in this one. Shout out to Jacob Markstrom's 45 saves. On Friday, things get a little darker as the Avs head out west for an ultra-late start against the San Jose Sharks, who are a much better team than Colorado and really looked it as they coasted to what was a 4-3 win, only that close thanks to Simeon Varlamov. The Avalanche chased the game the whole way and still only managed 25 shots on goal. Oof. Nikita Zadorov, Miko Rantanen, and Sam Girard get your goals here, and Gabe Landeskog had the primary assist on all of them. And finally, just a few minutes ago, Avs roll into Anaheim, taking on a struggling team with not much to play for and just play like absolute garbage. 2-1 the final, less than 50 shots on goal total. Broussard, the lone goal scorer, 10 seconds into a power play. Nathan McKinnon probably had the flu for this one and didn't look alone. The team needed these points badly and played like they had nothing to play for. GG? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it's, else to say. It, it's a tough week when you play a bunch of teams other than the Sharks that you're supposed to beat, and you come out of those games really only thinking that you deserve the one win you got. And you needed a shootout in six rounds to get it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I think this is a big letdown as far as you know, what, what a, a lot of people were expecting you know, you you have such a nice streak leading into this week, and 
you know, it, it all goes downhill in a hurry. Um, you know, you're, you're basically giving up points that you really needed and getting passed by a bunch of teams or distanced by a bunch of teams in this right. game. It's just the next step, right? Like, we have been steadily trending this way this whole season of like, well, we still suck, but we still control our own destiny, and now we're drifting into we suck and we need help to get into the playoffs territory. And instead of help, we're getting Arizona coming out of nowhere. Right, exactly. Yeah, and we we played Dallas twice. I mean, that could be, you know, they might be the most vulnerable of the, the three that are ahead of us, but... Um, those two games, if, if the Avs could win those in regulation, you know that could end up being kind of big. But you know, it could end up that you know they pass Dallas and still don't make the playoffs. And spoiler alert: one of those games is coming up this week. It sure is. But my takeaway from all this is this is a week that could have happened a month ago. I guess other than the win part, but. Basically, this week was a lot of the avalanche from a month ago. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. you know, they they had a they had a nice lineup going, and then just you know, it's it's been gradually wiped out all week. You know, they they, they sent the kids down, like we talked about on the on the deadline show. Uh, they got Broussard. I mean, he's been okay, but you know, he's 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 not a guy that's going to help out a lot. And then you get Colin Wilson back. He's been terrible. You get Ian Cole back. He was okay maybe in his first game. And then we yeah. just went ham today. I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into all of the, the actual player stuff. But even like irrelevant to the player choices and things like that, this is the, this is the exact inconsistency that this team has shown this entire season. They start to turn it around and, you know, everyone thinks, oh, they can do it again. And then they fall off because they just can't keep it together. Well, I, don't, I, I think they were consistently good before this week. I mean, I really think, you know, they had something good going. And, you know, I did, things that really don't have to do with on-ice issues are, are the main culprit. Well, what are some of those things? Let's go ahead and, and just jump into that. And then once we get through that conversation, we'll start having a conversation about the new guy. Um, I mean, I, I really do think that getting rid of younger players and, and substituting older players made them look exactly like what we saw on the ice today. They're an old, slow team that doesn't have a lot of skill. And when you don't have a lot of skill, if you don't have that energy that the youth can bring to the lineup, then you know, you're, you're going to end up with a lot of games like what happened today. And then that's what we've basically seen for the last few months. It's like they've undone every single positive thing that they were doing. And maybe none of those things was a huge difference, but added up made a difference. And then they've just undone every single one of them. Right. Like it, it keeps getting harder and harder to justify the moves they make. Right. Like Dries was the one younger prospect, if you want to call him that type player that they left in the lineup. And now they're even sitting him for Bork. And it was hard to say that Dries deserves to be the guy still up. And now that he's not even in the lineup, you're you're just looking at this and going, we're moving in the wrong direction here. We're, we're not getting back to the things that were winning us games. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, last week we were beating playoff teams, and this week we can't even beat non-playoff teams. And Or, or if we do, it's, it takes six rounds of a shootout. So, you know, th- this isn't something like, you know, I, th- this isn't luck. This isn't a, a slump or anything like that. I mean, this is fundamental changes to what's going on in the lineup and on the ice. Which has it's funny consequences. Yeah. It's funny in the presser that Bender just had a few minutes ago. Clark asked him something about, like, what do you do? Do you shuffle the group or something? And he and Bender was kind of like, what? This is the group we have. And it's just like, if yeah. you're resigned to that, if, if that's truly what they believe, is that, that nothing else is available to them, that's I a mean, problem. One week ago, 20% of the lineup was different players. So that's just <laughs> not true. Well, I mean, and we've seen this throughout the whole year. I mean, they just, you know, they, they decide on who their players are at the beginning of the season. And as long as they're healthy, they're going to stay in the lineup no matter what. Yeah, one and... week ago, they beat three playoff teams, three different playoff teams, by a combined score of 15 to 1. Yeah. And also Chicago was in there too. And Chicago was playing very well coming into that game. I believe they were eight and two going into that game. So maybe not a playoff team, but they were hot. So you know, that <clears throat> I, I I don't understand how they can justify what they did, and I, I don't I don't know how they can sit there and and look at what happened over this week and say I, I just I don't believe you know I I don't believe this happened. We we put the right guys out there. These are our guys, and and you know didn't happen it's like i said before they're waiting for the november avalanche to come back it's like you played these guys in this system and it was successful months ago so at some point it has to be successful again it's like their philosophy and well or if they play hard (laughs) enough or, or if they try hard enough yeah Right, and it's it, and he keeps saying, you know, I don't know why we don't come out and why we're not the aggressors and this and that, and I I find it hard to believe it's it's because they don't want it bad enough. That you you would think the players understand where they are in the standings, understand how important it is to win. So it can't be just a matter of lack of motivation or lack of care. So then you have to ask yourself, why can't they come out? with that kind of energy and that it's it's tough especially because okay in this ducks game yes the top line was just terrible but if you look at this weekend or i guess into last week you're looking at here are goal scorers nathan mckinnon scores a goal mika rantanen scores a goal then you have two defensemen scoring goals in Gerard and Zadorov, but Landeskog assisted on both of them, and then you have Rantanen scoring another goal. So the the difference this week is that the depth scoring isn't coming in behind all of the Avs' top-line production. And it was coming in before. Right. And, you know, it's like... I think one one huge thing that we haven't mentioned yet is that Matt Nieto got injured last weekend. <clears throat> and, you know, it's like, a, you know, a guy like Matt Nieto, yeah, he's not going to be the, the main factor in winning and losing games, but, you know, the I, I think it's sort of underrated the role that he's played this whole year, really. 
Because you can see sort of substituting Broussard on Carl's wing instead of him. It's a totally different thing because Broussard is a you know an offensively minded guy. He's not very good in the defensive zone. And that's totally an opposite thing to what Matt Nieto brings. You know, Matt Nieto is fast. He doesn't have the puck skill that Broussard does. But, you know, the, the way that the abs play, they, they kind of rely on having that speed and the defensive ability that Nieto brings. And it's just, you know, making that substitution has really killed that line. And that's made it really difficult on the whole lineup. I'll agree that what he brings does have value, but it's like if you cannot replace that with anything that you already have is like a big problem. I, I mean, I think they could. It's just that, you know, the, the choice was to put Broussard in that spot, you know, and that's not what you use Carl's line for. Like, it, you know, they've been using Carl's line as the shutdown line. And they've been getting filled. And, and they've been just getting killed all week. And, you know, it's like you, I mean, like Jost and Landeskog together, you know, that's sort of on the way to maybe being, you know, a sort of defensively responsible line. They've been taking some, some tougher competition, um, you know, but it's, it's just, it's not the same role that that, the, the old Soderberg line had. And I, I think when you're missing that, it, it just puts a lot of stress on the rest of the lineup. You know, I think they can overcome it easily if they just, you know, if they put the right guys in the right spots. But it, um, you know, it's like we've seen what's been going on for four games now, and it's it's not working out. And they're not making any changes there. So, you know, what's up and with that? Maybe what happened a week ago was the fluke and not what's going on now. I mean, every, any team can have a good week. Ottawa could have a good week. I, I don't think either end of it is a fluke. I think... This is just who the team is, a team that's capable of beating any team in the league and also a team that's capable of losing to one because yeah. if they bring their best, they are a very good playoff team, but they just cannot do that consistently. Yeah, yeah I definitely think that's fair, and I think becoming consistent is very difficult. It's, it it's is. a lot, it, lot more easier said than done. Right. You cannot just bring in a Derek Broussard and suddenly be consistent. That's it. It's not how it works. And Broussard, yes, he's in a different. He's a different player than Matt Nieto, and his role is very different. Even if they put him in that same spot, but he's doing what he's being paid to do. Yeah. Like I, I have zero problems with what Derek Broussard is doing. If you have a problem with how he's being used, that's fair. But it still doesn't make any sense that he's here because he's scored two goals in four games. It's exactly what we expected out of him. Better. And the Avs don't win because Broussard can't get them over the hump. Yeah. It's really hard to to, to look at that, that week where they played. Just, they did come across some teams that were on a downturn, especially with, with Winnipeg. Um, but it's hard to look at. I mean, the, the execution the, was there. <laughs> it's hard to look at the last week and be like, well, it was the, is this just that they can't sustain it? Because they then changed their roster dramatically. It's like it, it's really difficult to to say. Well, this is just the it team is. not being reliably good when you took away the, a lot of the pieces right. that were chipping in and uh, obviously there's the, a lot the of factors. Yeah. yeah, whether that's, yeah, that's that's a factor too. Exactly, that, it's like whether that's it was sitting working. people down or the injuries or whatever. It's like it was working. You didn't even give it a chance for it to stop working. 
You just changed it. And yeah. now we're back to how it was. I mean, like, bringing Ian Cole back in the lineup, that's, you know, that's something like, yeah, if he's healthy, you're going to put him in the lineup, you know, regardless of how we, we feel about his play and stuff like that. I, I mean, um, I think the Cole situation is very specific. Yeah. Um, but like we said, on the other end of things, there's zero excuse for putting Gabe Bork in the lineup. There's zero no. excuse for putting yourself in a situation where you might have to play Gabe Bork. That's just they, bad. They could have... It's like they could have kept some of those guys around. They, they were on the roster before the deadline. It's just... It's just very disappointing. It's disappointing they put themselves in, like you said, in the position where the next guy to choose from is Gabe Bork. It just, the whole Gabe Bork thing doesn't make sense to me. We talked for months and months about they can't keep playing this guy. And I would have loved to have heard the conversation when Bedner finally decided after the Columbus game that he cannot play Gabe Bork anymore. It was like, what? in particular was it that day where he was like nope not anymore and that was even like a game that Bork had a nice assist on Gerard's goal and so for that to have been the final straw game I just find odd but but I know you can't then, complain but then you bring him back after not playing for three yeah. weeks right so then so yeah so they were so against playing him they flew in drives from california to nashville just to play him and if you were ever going to play borg in nashville probably would have been the one right so then now we are at back at purposely dressing borg so it's like what happened in that whole month that you decided that he you absolutely couldn't play him and now you can it's just like when they decided to write off Lindholm last year, which wasn't the wrong decision, but it was like two months too late. And it's yeah. really difficult to justify, you know, using their roster spot on, on him again with just how out of place and slow and behind the play he appears to be. Like, yeah. if you want a veteran to help the Eagles, because that's what the Eagles are all about now, I don't know why they wouldn't have just done that. It's better than him sitting around and doing nothing most of the time. And if you were going to send a vet there, he'd probably be one of the more positive influences. It's just the whole thing makes no sense. They've completely screwed that whole situation from beginning to end this year. And right, he was in the lineup today. He played four minutes. He took a penalty. And I believe that was the penalty that Anaheim got the game-winning goal on. Yep. And, and okay, so are they... No, Matt Calvert got the game-winning goal. Let's, let's be real. I mean, true. <laughs> that well, was a it was beautiful tip. Family. Yeah. So he we'll also see. played less than three minutes at 5v5, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean... That, that, like Duncan Seaman's blushes you, looking at that. Right, you might as well roll 7D if that's your plan. <laughs> like <clears throat> They honestly might be better off. Rolling 70. Yeah. Which they can't yeah. now because Cole is dead and going to be suspended forever. But Oh, he, he's not getting suspended for that. A, we wouldn't Boy, be so lucky. Boy, I don't know about that. So if, if you were clever enough to not watch the game against Anaheim, Ian Cole returned against San Jose, and in the next game he needs the shit out of a guy. So uh, let's, let's all just take the time to collectively be wrong and guess on the suspension length or existence if you're... 
I'm saying no. <laughs> You're saying That's, zero. It's a two gamer, easy. Yeah, I'll say two games. Has it's, I mean, been the intent was clearly season. there. He has no, not he been isn't. suspended, but he did get tossed for that other hit. What is his suspension history, by the way? I don't know what it is. I've never bothered to look it up. I don't know if anybody actually collects that information for the internet. That's a real good idea if you're looking for a hockey information website to then complain that you have to maintain. Um, <laughs> but if he hasn't been suspended this season, I would say anything more than three would be shocking. Um, yeah. If he, if he had a little bit of a history this season, I could have seen it going as high as five. But and I forget who did I, I forget who he need. Who did he need? It was Sprong, was it? Wasn't it? Richie. No, no, Richie didn't play. It oh, was, uh, yeah, you're right. Shore, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Shore. it was Shore. So did Shore return after that? I didn't even notice. I don't know. Well, I know yeah. who will I mean, know, so y'all keep talking. I'll find out. <laughs> Um, I, and for the record, last year Cole got fined five grand for a dangerous trip. Hmm. <laughs> a dangerous trip? Where did he go? That's what it says. Abs just took a dangerous trip to California. <laughs> um, I mean, if, yeah, if, I just, if you look I, at you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, if 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 Shore is injured at all, I mean, I, I don't know how they can turn a blind eye to that. If if Shore right. is fine, then they might you know give him a, a talking to or something sure did but... not play another shift after that hit. Mm. yeah so okay. that's i guess that's we'll see news. but i don't know i i even think his little dirty elbow on kuznetsov was worse now of course kuznetsov was okay but if we're not you're not supposed to look at the result to determine uh, but the dope does was. I, I think the elbow on kuznetsov was more theater on both ends by both guys than this was because this this was actual intent to injure and injury i don't think i actually don't think he was intending to injure i think he was going for a hip check and yeah, that's a funny way to show it <laughs> yeah I, I mean nothing <laughs> almost nothing starts with intent to injure but then you stick that knee out and everything changes yeah. real fast i think he tried to lay a hit that he couldn't turn quickly enough to land yeah i mean it, the end result well, we just saw we just saw that hit on Kunin where who I don't even know who it was, but drove his head into the whatever you call it but by the bench and that was no Sure, but that's it's dope's <laughs> wheel of justice. I mean you never know what it's gonna yeah. land on, but I'm still going with no no suspension. We wouldn't even be that lucky. It would look, it would benefit us for <laughs> him to get suspended. I really don't know that it would. Yes, it like, would. If we're going to get into call. this conversation, Cole is a fine defenseman. He's just heavily, heavily, heavily overused. Yeah. I think they're better without him. And I, I don't I mean, they think... were, but that <laughs> whether he was the cause or an effect, um, right. it's he was part tough of to it. say. It's all part of it. I mean, playing Greer for seven minutes a game... I mean, what, other than San Jose, I, I don't complain about the defensive play this week. I think that's something that, that you know sort of has carried through from when they were actually playing well. It's just the, you know, the, the sort of energy and offense has sort of left the building this week. I don't think he necessarily makes them worse, but I don't think he makes them better. I think he would make them better if he was used correctly. 
but he's yeah. not. Like, what they did without him is they said, okay, well, we're just going to have Sam play a ton, and we're going to have EJ play with everybody, and we're going to just spread the minutes around more evenly. And when Cole comes back into the lineup, they say, nope, he's our number three defenseman, and we're going to overplay the crap out of him instead of having him be a 4-5 and spreading the minutes around still. It's funny, when they have all everyone available, they they shuffle more than when they have one of them out then they seem to settle more into pairs when one of them's out you would think the opposite would happen yeah i mean what i noticed when he was out that you know graves was playing his 13 minutes or so um nemeth started playing more right. you know it's like i think he took a bunch of cole's minutes and the rest were sort of spread around between right. sam and ej yeah, you had EJ and Sam at the top, and then you had the next three defensemen all between like 18 to 20, and then you right. had Graves at the bottom. And now you have EJ and Sam getting like 23, 24, Cole getting like 21, 22, and then everybody else. And Barry has really not been playing a lot lately. Like he's He's really gone down to sort of fourth or fifth minutes a lot, and I don't know whether that's sort of, maybe he's dealing with an injury and they're, they're, you know, they're trying not to overplay him, or um, whether they're just, you know, that they're not down with the risk that that he provides, and you know, maybe Sam is taking some of Barry's minutes rather than some of Cole's when he was gone. Uh, well, um, I mean, at least tonight, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you don't have Cole for half the game, so tonight's an odd comparison right. point. But tonight, um, Sam Gerard and Tyson Barry had four seconds difference of TOI in all situations. Speaking of time on ice. Um, your time on ice leader against Anaheim was Eric Johnson at 24-16. Just six seconds below that was Mr. I Have the Flu, Nathan McKinnon. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that usage. I mean, everyone could see that he was just dying out there, even like in the I th- first I, I thought Landy looked worse, and we didn't hear anything when Landy <laughs> well, had the flu, but I sure hope he did. I mean, that whole line... terrible. <laughs> that whole line looked like a mess. Rantanen couldn't find the puck to save his life either for half the game, so... Right, it's like when you hear someone's injured or dealing with something and you're like, okay, that makes sense. But it's like, it's almost not fair to the others because then it's like, well, who else is sick? Who else is injured? But you don't hear that either. It's like one guy gets a free pass. It's like, okay, we all know McKinnon was sick, so that guy gets a free pass. I mean, he didn't have a free pass, but I'm not giving Bednar (laughs) a free pass for playing the sick guy 24 minutes. That's ridiculous. I believe both Barry and Gerard played over in the first period. <laughs> yeah, it was like, and he like at the end of shifts, he was just falling over, dead tired yeah. too. Like, and I just, you know, look, I know that you know your top guys are going to win you the game, but it's just, you know, that's just something that you got to manage a little better. I think Barry and Gerard were both at around twenty-three minutes, twenty-three oh three and twenty-three oh seven, which is yeah, which Sam played matter. a ton but, more at five e five. But yeah, when you when Cole only plays, what, six or seven minutes, that definitely makes a difference. Yeah, that skews I, things. The, your lowest I, other regular defender was Patrick Nemeth at 15.36. But yeah, anyway. at 5v5, Sam played 20 minutes and Barry played just uh, 16 and a half. I mean, in general, I appreciate that Cole can bring a more physical element and he gets away with stuff, but he's just been way too much on the stupid train. I mean, get kicked out of a game three times this year is or at least that could have been more i think there was another game where he had a really stupid hit but maybe didn't get thrown out for it 
Yeah, I mean, that hit was clean, but he got tossed out of the game against yeah. Calgary. Yeah. But no, I think there was another one, maybe Winnipeg earlier, but anything like where he throws a huge hit and it changes the game for the worse. And, it, and it's yeah. like that shit happens in the minor leagues. Like, you just don't get thrown out in the NHL three times a year well, unless I mean, you're like I, Tom I, Wilson. I don't think he's being encouraged not to do that because obviously, the you know, now we're at the point where the, the staff could be like, look, you know, we, we just, you know, keep it you know, a little saying on on the ice and don't get kicked out. Well, it's, put us in a situation where we're going to have a, to kill a five-minute major. Um, but well, it's lack you know, of I, I think that's something that they still. want him to do. It's still lack of accountability. It doesn't matter what he does. It doesn't matter that, that he, he put them on a five-minute penalty kill, which could have been the game right then and there. It doesn't matter. There's absolutely no accountability there. There's no accountability for... Any of these veterans that no, I think they go want the him to do box. what he does. That's the yeah, problem. I, I agree with Earl. I, I think. <laughs> well, sure, but they want him to. They want him to walk the line, and they're okay right. with him crossing the line occasionally. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Which it's an interesting dude to go out there and cross the line with the quote-unquote hockey code. He's running around with a face mask on. <laughs> it could be like Cody Bass and take it off and get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds clever. <coughs> so anyway, um, let's roll back to what Ruda was saying, oh, I don't know, like 10 or 15 minutes ago about Derek Broussard and check out the new guy. He's got yeah. two goals in four games, which is you know better than a lot of guys on this team. Yeah. He is a – he's still got the hands. He's still got the smarts in the offensive zone. He's not quick. And he's no. definitely not useful in the defensive zone. And these are all things that we should have known about Derek Broussard coming in. So sure are. He's doing just about as well as you could have possibly hoped for. Yeah, and you know, we said ten points would be great for him on this team down the stretch, and that's exactly what he's tracking to do. So I I wish the Avs would just like take both of Broussard's goals and just show them to the Avs power play unit on repeat because that's the one thing that he's really, really good at is he can read a play and he recognizes when space opens up and he moves into it, which the rest of the Avs power play unit never, ever, ever does. So I think that's one of the biggest places that he can help this team. And if you're bringing in a veteran leadership guy, he's supposed to be there to teach, right? So... Well, here's the other thing. You bring him in because you want him to score, since that's basically what he does best, slash the only thing he does, and then you play the other, the first power play unit for over five minutes in this game, and you play his unit for under a minute, and that's the one that scores the goal. Yeah, he played in 40, 40 seconds, seconds and scored a goal, yeah. yeah. I mean, in that's... 40 seconds he was out there, so where's the logic in that? Yeah, I mean, it's either put him on the first unit or give more time to the second unit. I mean, you know, you, you get a guy like this and, and use him this way. It's just, you know, it, you know, are, are Bednar and Sackick on the same page with why this happened? Or, you know, does, does Bednar realize, you know, what, what this guy's strengths are? I mean, you know, it's, it's like not he's not a penalty killer or anything crazy. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> The first you know, unit like, centerpiece is Nathan McKinnon. He's got the fucking flu. Play your second unit. 
Yeah, it just makes sense. Well, and, and but you know, it's like putting him on Carl's line, like I was talking about. It just do- that doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like he's not Matt Nieto; he can't play Matt Nieto's role, and yet he's there. So, and you know, maybe there's not a better place in the lineup to put him. I guess you know. I, I mean, I think I, maybe with Landy and Jost. I don't know. I mean, I think. I think I mean, Landy Jost and Calvert actually have a little bit of defensive chemistry working when they're together. So, I mean, I'm fine with that staying together. At least um, Calvert I mean, has a little foot speed. Oh, why not just commit? Like, we're, we spent this past two games just YOLOing Kerfoot or Andrew Ghetto onto the top line, and that has gone terribly. Sure has. Yeah, put him so, up there. I yeah. mean, right, you, you made the, an investment the in this makes, guy. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the place it. that makes a lot of sense. Is to yeah. put him on the top line with with Miko and and Mac and you know, yeah, it's he's not going to help those guys defensively, and that's going to be a, a pretty weak unit. But it already was, you know. I mean, I, I think Kerfa doesn't get the recognition he deserves for what he does in the defensive zone. Uh, he wasn't great tonight, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> but I mean, no nobody was, really was. <laughs> I think in general, Kerfoot is a lot better in the defensive zone than people notice. I agree with that for sure, but right now he's being used on an, in an offensive role, and the chances are dying on a stick at about a hundred percent rate. Yeah, and that's that is a problem. That look, he's not he's not the net front guy. All right, I realize like Mac is not going to be the net front guy, and you'd never want him to be the net front guy. Um, and you know, it might be hard to put Miko into that role, but you know, if you have Kerfoot and McKinnon on a line together, you want those guys on the wings in the offensive zone near the half boards, you know, controlling play. I think Miko is talented enough that he could probably do some big time damage if he was the net front guy. So it's like if you use Kerfoot there instead of Miko, that's again, that's you know, that's a coaching issue. I mean, or you could just throw Broussard in there and let him find the right. space. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're there. gonna have if you're gonna have Kerfoot there, don't put him in a, a situation where he's likely not to have success. And I think that's what people are kind of hung up on, that they keep seeing him as the net front guy missing chances, and it's just that's probably something he's never been good at. I, I don't disagree with you there, and again, it comes back to a bad line. You, you can't put McKinnon, a guy you yeah. want to have the puck, Ranton, and a guy you want to have the puck, and Kerfoot, a guy you want to have the puck, all on the same line. It just doesn't right. work. I haven't hated that line personally, but I agree it's not worth, it's not good enough where you're basically just punting the other three lines on your team. Right, and, and you know, it's like the fact that, that Andrew Ghetto goes in there and he does slightly better in front of the net, but not anywhere near as good on the rest of the ice. I mean, you know, I'm just they're, so they're done searching for something, and it, it sure has Derek Broussard's name written all over I'm it. I'm so know? done with Andrew Ghetto and Wilson. I just, I'm done with it. I'm done with the empty minutes. I'm done with them just Yeah, can we talk about nothing. Colin Wilson coming back and be absolutely terrible? <laughs> you can. <laughs> Boy, he has really been unimpressive this week since coming back. Um, you know, I realize, yeah, he's on the fourth line, and that's, you know, that's not been a good thing since they sent the kids down. But, um, it, and know, he just provides I haven't nothing. noticed him doing anything all week. Yeah. Yeah, I think. It, we get into this conversation of the Evs have too many of the same guys again. Wilson and Andrieto yeah. are both players that need ice time to be productive. 
And they're not good defensively. And right. Broussard is the same way. And it's how can you get all of these guys the ice time they need in the correct situation to make it work, and you just can't. Right. And yeah, There's Wilson probably... was helpful at certain points this year when he had the minutes, he could use the size and everything. It's something they needed. But for the complete lack of production since November, he had like one good month. And then now... Whatever his injury is has made him. Then, then he gets slow again, right? So when he's not hundred percent, then he's he's slower. Then he's so ineffective, ineffective. Then you put him on the fourth line, and it just completely submarines any possibility of that line doing anything. Yeah, I actually don't think you need to give Wilson a lot of time because they really haven't all year, even when he was playing well. Well, um, he was but, on the But you do need to give him line. complimentary guys or allow him to be complimentary to someone else. And it's just like complimenting Sheldon Dries. Yeah, that's a better <laughs> way to put it. He doesn't need you time, know, I, but he needs I think skill they around him. Left right. him on Barbario IR. Like, they're better off without him now. Just take the L and move on from Colin Wilson. Like, if there was any hope they're going to move him, haha. But they didn't. So. Who else are they going to play? AJ Greer. Else? They're not going to call up AJ Greer. <laughs> <laughs> if are you sure? <laughs> if they were going to do it, someone up. If they were going to call up anybody else, they wouldn't be having press conferences where the coach says, "Well, this is our group." Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. There's always two different things. Are we talking realistically or ideally? Yes. Realistically. Okay. Well, yeah. Realistically, this is the group they have. They're fucked, yeah. and they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, that's realistically. <laughs> <laughs> Are I don't we talking know. ideally what 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 they should do if somebody got a clue? Yeah, let's do that now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, ideally, guess who else isn't a center? Colin Wilson. They decided to make him <laughs> the center. Randomly today. Seriously, like. Do you have any and how many line centers in your play? system or not? Like, yeah, Toninato's sitting in Loveland. Like, hello, <laughs> scoring guess, his ass off. I guess maybe he's not good either. But then that also should make you sit and think: Why in our entire system do we not have anybody that we can use as a center? Just because Kamenev went down, which was unfortunate. I, I, but you couldn't I, I think count there is, and they just with. don't want to. You know, I think that's what it boils down to. They just don't want to. They don't have anybody. There's never anybody that you already have that's the solution. It's like when you go to the grocery store and you buy a bunch of shit, and then you're sitting in your house and you're like, what can I have for dinner? And none of that sounds good. And then you just go out to eat. Like, that's the app. Yeah, I don't appreciate being called out like that. Personally attacked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in this rant and I don't like it. I don't know. Maximum Plugo scored a goal, so uh, he's another fake center. <laughs> Wait, who? The Palooka. Max McCormick. Okay. <laughs> Maximum Plugo. Yeah. God. <laughs> God willing, the, no know, one ever will need to know that name, but yeah, I'm afraid. I think so. I think they saved one of their call-ups. Yeah. Well, when they lose, when they're like five points out of the playoffs, and then they're officially desperate, and they're going to call him up for a spark. Oof. I don't know. They didn't do that last year. They made the playoffs they last, year. last year. They were desperate last year. 
No, but they were desperate at the end of the year when they lost every game from March 24th on. Eh. It, I mean, it is what it is. I, it, McCormick may not well be called up. I hope he's not. Me but too. It, 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 everything points towards the Evs not wanting to call up options that at absolute minimum cannot be worse. Right. It, or but even this options is it, but that my... have been on the team recently and had success. But this, is, but this, this is isn't like time. a this year thing. This is like the Avs thing. Nothing they have is ever good enough. Yeah, I mean, ideal ever. time, Greer, Tononato, whoever you want as the third guy in the fourth line. It, it you should have had a fine. second... Right. You should have had a second-year pro that was going to be ready for a call-up at center. With those two, I think Wilson would be a fine complementary fourth-liner. Sure. You know? Yeah, that, that would be a line that you would not want to play against. You build a exactly. fourth line a... that can just grind people into dirt instead exactly. of what we have now. And has it's a big, stuff. heavy fourth line that is exactly what they need, and it's sitting there right in front of them, and they just don't want it. And is the fourth line going to totally change everything? No, but it damn of course sure not. Helps. Right, and we saw it right. last week. Exactly. I, I think it, the fourth line can have a big effect just because when you're playing Gabriel Bork two minutes and fifty-two seconds at five yeah. v five, those are all shifts between two fifty-two and the seven minutes he probably should be playing. You know that five minutes is being taken up by other people in the lineup and. You know, that can be a good thing. Like, if Mac's having a great night, yeah, you want to play Mac a lot. You know, if, if I mean, Carl's line's doing well, you want to put them out a lot. But it's like you're you're using up their energy to make up for the fact that you're not willing to put together a real fourth line. And that, you know, that can affect games. It's it, The Avs lost three games by one goal this week. A good fourth line should be getting you a goal about at least one out of every three games. So... Or at least preventing enough that you don't need them to score that one goal, you know? Right. Well, and, and so maybe they still lose two of these games with a good... with a better fourth line, but maybe they pull out a point or win one of them. And every point is so desperately important in this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's like Vancouver's out of it, but giving them a point was dumb if, if they were theoretically still in competition with us. You know, I mean, it's... And Minnesota well, going win is against the... Nashville tonight, and now it's your, now you are two games worth of points out of the playoffs at that point. The message last year was the younger faster. The younger guys came and gave them a spark. You have guys that are hungry to make the NHL. You know that that's what they're focused on. They tend to bring it more every night because it's more than just about the game for them. We saw with Greer how much it meant to him that he finally scored a goal and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not about the quote-unquote fourth line. It's about bringing in guys that have that same spirit and energy. You don't I mean, even do... Agazino did at age 28. Right. You don't, you don't just say preach younger, faster, and pound the table younger, faster, and basically etch it on the Pepsi Center younger, faster for one year when you're terrible, when you're trying to get people to come back, when you have no expectations, that's that's your whole message. That's that's your whole, you know, culture. And then the very and then you finally get some success, maybe a little bit sooner than you should get it. Then it's all gone. Now we're bringing in vets. Now we're buying vets. 
now we can't have any younger faster in the lineup like who was the rookie this year like dries is the rookie Kamenev. well and then he was gone so yeah they plan to have one rookie one which was Kamenev. and and it's like you that's not just a buzz phrase that you use when you've been terrible it's something you have to commit to if you believe in younger faster it's not just a pull out of the gutter one year thing I mean, they did you have, have three to keep believing in guys. it and you know i do count that somewhat you know it's you count who the three sophomores the frat guys well oh i mean yeah they're not old yet but it's not like you're done adding youth to your organization it's something I know, you have but that's to the do way they look at it like those guys year. are young well, it's you know, it's like those guys and Sam. Those are you know, and, and now Graves. Those are young guys that you have to you know make up for with more veterans. Forced to keep Graves too. Like if that waiver exemption wasn't a thing, he'd probably be playing for the Eagles right now. It's it, it's tough because it's you know less the younger faster and more this idea of meritocracy that you're gonna the best players are gonna earn their spots and it's just so blatantly not the case well, no I mean, it's I, not I think, I, I think you need to be to have a system where you know guys are in the bottom you know in the bottom two lines and the bottom pair you know they, they've got to be earning their keep you know, on a they nightly do, basis and they aren't and that's just not the way it goes. It's you know they basically pick the team in September, and that's the way it is for the whole season. And it just pretty much you know, that, that that's a really you know that, that's a, that's a bad message. It's really tough for anybody to think that they can play their way onto this roster. And this we point. we should remember that come camp time when you say, "Oh, it's just camp; it's not a big deal." Like it literally is the only deal. <laughs> that's how this team operates. Yeah, yeah, they don't even. I mean, I, I don't really think spots are in competition in camp. Even I think they basically plan out the roster in July and said, "Well, that's our team for the next well, 365 days." If there's days. a spot, it's determined in camp. Right. I don't. Yeah. I, I I think it's hard to win a spot in camp. I think you can lose one. Yeah, I'll go with that. I mean, you know, it's like they they obviously Gabe Bork lost his job. He didn't lose his roster spot, but he did lose his job for you know almost a month. Um, you know, Andrew Ghetto, I, you know, he was scratched for a while, you know, it's like, but when it comes there's a down play to it, inside, you know, there's play inside the roster, but it just, you know, actually swapping in guys and, and, you know, looking for a different look in your lineup. It just, I, I don't know why that they're so averse to doing that. And it, it's disappointing. Cause that was their big sell job about how great it was that, the, the AHL was coming to Colorado, and it was going to be different, and it really isn't. The only thing I mean, I don't think is, they ever thought they were going to do that. The only thing different is that it's easier to go watch them now. That's all. If they want to. I mean, they have called up a lot of guys. I mean, that's, you know, that you really can't deny that they've done that. And, you know, Ryan well, Graves has basically won a two, spot inside the season. but the, um, Just for the two weeks when they actually were trying out different guys. Other than that, not really. I mean, I give them credit for the two weeks. It's just, why <laughs> did they stop? Because it was deadline showcasing and the deadline was over. I mean, I don't care what it was. You look at the players' performances on the Avalanche and you can actively see that these are better. So, 
Not only that, the team was better. The team was winning for the first time in months. And looked good. Yeah. They didn't I mean, just they, go know, out They outscored and... opponents 20-4 to four or something over that stretch. Right, like... and, and they outshot the hell out of them. They didn't just go out there and have some magic bullshit go their way and then eke out a couple of wins here and there and get, have goaltending save their, the day here and there. It, they went out there and they crushed some teams. You know, and 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 now we're back to the same old everybody's not trying hard enough excuses, and it's just, you know, I I don't know how you can look at what's happened this week and say like everybody's not trying hard enough. I know it looked like that today, but it just, um, you know, th- this this looked like what they usually look like. And know, because they went back to this at the deadline, they're screwed because now they only have three call ups left for the rest of the year until you get right. to emergency stuff. But and they probably uh, won't they use them anyway. Probably not. They'll probably use them once they're out of the playoffs. Like mathematically. Theoretically, you could put Nieto and Barbario on IR, and if two more guys get hurt, then you can start using emergency call-ups. But yeah. Could you use an emergency with Cole suspended? No. You have to use a real one to fill... I mean, I know Graves is there, but if someone got hurt and Cole was suspended... Um, yeah. It'd be the injury that did it, not the suspension. Like, we we generally, like, suspensions don't punish the team enough as they are. Um, Agreed. But letting the, letting, letting you use an emergency call-up because a guy got suspended for making a dangerous play is just... Let's not go that, that route ever, no, please. If you, only have, <laughs> if you only have 20 uh, healthy players and you have a player suspended, you're not allowed to call someone up for that. I mean, you probably should have right, but but players. like it it doesn't screw you down the line. Like we have yeah. Graves to drop in as the sixth, and then if someone gets hurt, we can still use an emergency because it was an injury and not the suspension, even though it's both. Yeah, exactly. But you'd you'd have to put Barb's and Ghetto on IR first, which they haven't done. I mean, why I, Barb's is on fake IR already? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Barbarian has been so long, and he's spotted walking around with a boot on his foot. Like, if you're not going to use him and you're going to make him look hurt, why is he not on IR? Yeah, but then he doesn't wear the boot when they're filming the the match game. Who knows when they filmed that? Honestly, <laughs> it's true. I mean, Graves was there, so it can't have been that long ago. He's been there for a while. We forget how long he was. He's. Sad. I mean, sure. It could be like January or something, but. So, um, this is obviously a pretty bleak show. Um, <laughs> the, it's not just the Avs being in a bleak position either. We're we're feeling this way because we just watched a pretty bleak game. It was a it was yeah. about the same as watching two tumbleweeds fight it out in the desert. Um, so, let's take the position the Avalanche are in now and look ahead at what's coming um not just next week but for the rest of the season um and just kind of weigh what their chances to actually get over this playoffs hurdle might be but before we do that i've got to ask you guys for your stars and scratches of the week so whose tires are we ready to pump this week sam gerard easy yeah i mean i'll co-sign he had an absolute <laughs> highlight real goal against the Sharks and the, his 
His defense, I think, is really starting to round out as well. That back check today was something else. Yeah, and and yeah. that's becoming more of a common thing with him, is you're going, oh, he actually recovered that play. So uh, there's still the inconsistency that obviously comes with a 20-year-old defenseman at times, but as we've seen, EJ's gotten better, but he's still not really quite the guy we were used to him being, and Sam has really stepped up a lot of the time and filled in there. I'll say since that Montreal game, Sam's been at, at, on a really good roll. Yeah. When He's was been, the Montreal I mean, game? Mid-January. Was, I know like the narrative is he, he got refreshed after the break, but if you look at when he started shooting the puck and when, uh, when he started having really good possession games, it was the Montreal game. So that's been about 20, 22 games now. Okay. I think he's had a couple of stinkers in there, but again, sure. that's to be expected. Yeah, yeah. everybody has a couple of stinkers. Also, being an avalanche defenseman, but yeah, he's he's being asked to do quite a lot, and he's mostly delivering. So that's definitely right. His credit. This he's in the star category for sure. Yes. Who yeah. else can we force into that category? Uh, I mean, I think Varley had another good week. He sure um, did. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I think Gruby actually played decent today. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's like the, the goalies are doing their job lately, um, you know, and they, they were obviously like Varley was fantastic when they were killing everybody the previous week. But um, you wasted it. Right. And I, 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 you know, I know I'm the contrarian that thinks it was mainly defensive coverage and system play that was doing it to the goalies rather than the goalies doing it to the team. But. You know, that seems to be a part that, that hasn't tailed off this week. Um, so it's just, you know, they've got that. You know, if they can build off that and, and figure out some way to just be a little bit more effective getting the puck forward and out of the zone and playing in the offensive zone and maybe scoring a little bit, okay. they'll be okay. So we've got Sam Gerrard. is probably, I, I would say, first star. I wouldn't say a star. Yeah. Oh, first star. Yeah. And then we can also give a second, like a solid second star to shared goaltending, mostly Varley, shared goaltending. Yeah. And because, yeah, goal one against Anaheim on Grubauer was, was pretty bad, but he yeah. only gave up two. Right. He, he can beat two against Anaheim. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think, I think Grubauer didn't look great in the Anaheim game, but it definitely not his fault that they lost. No. You don't no. Think I thought he looked, looked really scratchy. Shutout, so. I, I thought yeah, he looked I, good I, against Nashville last week, and then it was back to his regular self. So, I, I, he he looked worse in the first period than he did throughout the rest of the game. I mean, obviously he wasn't as good as the Nashville game, but you know, it just it, it looked like uh, you know, along with everyone else, he had a bit of a tough time getting started today. Anyway, um, it's, third it's, star. I'll give mine. I think maybe to Soderberg, and I know it's tough because when you when you get three points in four games. There's not a whole lot of shining stars that were consistent through the whole week. But I, I think even just for the shootout win, and he was so good in that game against Vancouver. Yeah. That And I, and I know him and his line with Broussard and Comfort haven't been great as a whole, so that's kind of why I hesitate a little on giving it to him. But I think he, and just his play in general, ha, has definitely warranted 
earning a star this week. I mean, if you're picking a depth player to give a star to, pretty much any week, Soderbergh's a safe choice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, he's 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 being asked to do a lot with the lie mates that he has right now, and you know they're not as if you know that that's not as effective a line as it used to be defensively. But you, you can't argue with his play. I mean, I, I thought he, along with everyone else, just looked a little languid today. But um, you know, I mean, the shootout goal was fantastic. Plus, he smiled. <laughs> If we're giving out hesitant, kind of honorable mention level stars, then I think we should probably give one Derek Broussard's way, too, to come into a new roster and just immediately chip in with two goals in a week. That's yeah, very fair. Broussard, the player, has been great. The, yeah, the trade, yeah. not as much. Yeah, It's hard to separate the player from the deal. We, we saw that with Paul Stastny's entire Avalanche career, for example. Um... <laughs> But yeah, he's pillow soft in the corners too. Don't forget that. As just on ice only, not very few complaints with with Derek Broussard. Um, let's let's scratch some fools. Everyone. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> altitude. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, altitude deserves a hard scratch this week. <laughs> They've been insufferable this week. Oh yeah. my god. That's my complaint. Um, I mean, my I know you, you guys know, have I, I, think... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number one scratch would would have to be, you know, it's it's probably a combination of Jared Bednar and Joe Sackick in the per- player personnel department, but you know, just the the personnel moves that they made at the deadline, um, you know, they really haven't worked out, and the team is worse. And that you know, that's not just the yeah. Broussard trade. That's sending the kids down, futzing with the lines. It's bringing Bork back. Yada yada yada. It's just you know, the the, the way that they've moved per, in the personnel direction is non-positive. Okay, I've been very underwhelmed this week with Eric Johnson. He's- yeah. I think really had a roller coaster of a week in his own zone. Now, at one point, he did have half the half shots on goal against Anaheim, and that's not necessarily positive for him as so much as it is as it is negative for the team. But he has caused me to cross my eyes a lot. That shift against the Sharks, I think, deserves a scratch all its own. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, I scrubbed that's that from a my good memory. call. We haven't even talked about that. That was amazing. A, a three-minute <laughs> shift for your defenseman. <laughs> Three minutes and 27 seconds. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it would have been perfect if it had been five fewer seconds. It would have been, when it, if it would have been three, two, two. And some people I, will get that. Shout out to you. Um, I would, if we're going to talk about this shift, <laughs> I would rather talk about like the uh, hilarious discord or, discourse around that shift where people like will just skate off the ice if you've been on the ice that long. Yeah. Like, uh. <laughs> You're going to get scored on anyway. You may as well just take off, eh? <laughs> You're like, I'm not taking this minus, bye. <laughs> yep. I don't know, Steph. Which is basically could... what Broussard did, because he, he was the first guy to leave. He got off after a minute. <laughs> if, yeah. if you're I busting out that, that tinfoil hat, Sackick and these moves feels a little 3 2 2 y so. It sure does. It sure I does. find I it hilarious it. <laughs> how they finally got two forwards off about maybe two and a half minutes into the shift. And yeah. the two that they decided to put on the ice was Calvert and Joe's, who probably have the worst ability to like 
win a puck battle and steal the puck. Yeah. But I mean, I, I mean, I, I thought about that because when I was writing about it after the game, I was like, you know, would, would I have done that? And, you know, it looks like your options, like, obviously you're not going to put the fourth out there because they get trapped in there all the time. I mean, that um, was probably the next line to go. But at that point, you're, you're yeah, trying Landy to, went on to not get scored on. So, I, so mean, I would have gone for it, the better forwards. It, it just doesn't matter who they switched. Like, they had the puck in their possession six, seven times and couldn't get a clear other than like just be on their blue line and on the back end Varley couldn't freeze a puck for him so yeah I mean it's actually amazing it lasted that long not because they were on the ice for three minutes and 27 seconds it's the fact that they didn't get scored on for three minutes and 27 or take a penalty well San Jose just held the puck they're like look if we take a bad shot here then it's gonna get covered because this goaltender covers everything so yeah they were playing it like overtime it was pretty sweet to watch it, I, and there were like, like even Sammy, who I know we just gave a star to, like two and a half minutes into the shift, he makes this super weird decision to try and flip it out, and just totally muffs it. Yeah. And it's like it, when you're out there for that long, just ice it. Take the 15 second break because you guys desperately need it. Seriously, it's better than yeah. what happened, which is continue skating hard. I think there was one icing, but... There was. There was yeah, one there was. about a minute into the shift, and then it was another, like, full two minutes. Because if you Yeah, when Broussard went off for Gabe, that was... he. They they switched before the, the puck actually made it all the way down. Yeah, if, if you ice it, then you can try to sneak guys off just to waste some time. You can lean on a stick until it breaks. Like, you can do some things to get your air back. Yeah. Because yeah, that's what I was screaming. I was like, just out. ice it! <laughs> just do something other than this. Yeah. That was brutal. So, um, this whole week has been a little bit on the rough side, and there's only five weeks left. That happened very quickly. Um, let's kind of go through what's left this year, week by week, and just kind of take an honest look at what the team have in front of them, and how hard this playoffs berth is going to be because like we said last week when you trade for a, a ufa rental that that means playoffs are on the table and if you don't have it don't make it you've just failed that's all there is to yep. it. so coming up yeah. this week colorado have detroit dallas and buffalo that's one playoff team that they're specifically in a race with um and then two from the eastern conference who are either out of it or way out of it yeah. Yep. I mean, obviously Detroit is going to be, you know, the, the high energy at the Pepsi Center game that, that the you know, it, a lot of people still go to that one game per year. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be a rocking atmosphere. And uh, if you they, can't win that, that one, win. pack it in. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to lose to a bad team, the one that's right ahead of Ottawa wouldn't be the worst. But they, yeah, they can't keep losing to bad teams. Yeah. And shout out to uh, Florida but, Panthers who did us absolutely no favors today with Ottawa win 3-2. Son of a bitch. Yeah, it's terrible. But knowing this team, they'll probably lose to Detroit and then beat Dallas. And then we'll all be like, wow, they beat Dallas and then we're back in it. So I, I mean, it, right. You really, really, really need to win both of yeah. those games to give yourself a legitimate position in the playoffs. <laughs> they they yeah. really have to beat Dallas. 
true. That that's as close to as a must win in a non, you know, sudden sudden death elimination. I mean, today was a must win. Let's face it. I mean, it was. You know, it really was. You're playing the Ducks and, and you blew it, and that's but, just, it's you know. at least but a truly Dallas. Lose. You, yeah. you can't lose to Dallas. You can't. You can't lose to Dallas and I hope mean, that you're going to pass them. No. You, it, it's the same scenario. Like the next one is always a must-win because you can't get the win that you need. Well, right, but it's it, that proverbial four-point game. It's, yeah. it's I, I losing and also that, yeah. giving them the two points. And then Buffalo are an interesting team because even though they are nine points out of the playoffs at this point, they are also like right where the Avs are. So. That's another sneaky, if you're going to lose to someone, giving Buffalo points might not be the worst thing at the end of the day. No, that doesn't it's, matter I, at all. Not, Ottawa's not, never catching Buffalo. Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> that, not about that, about us. If we don't make the playoffs, we want to be behind as many teams as possible. Well, I mean, then we want to throw every game, if that's the way. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, Might not have a choice there. So they're in the East. <laughs> we want every single team in the East to be better than us. Regardless, I, I I mean I they you're, are you're either committing to playoffs <laughs> or you're committing to throwing. I don't think you can toe the line there. Not really. Yeah. Well, I'm not playing the game. This I'm just saying this is how I feel. As long as you beat your playoff opponents, those are the ones that are the most important. We yeah. we, can, we all agree there. I don't I don't know about giving anybody points being a good idea. Unless I'm you just are saying in the tank race, which the Avalanche. Oh, I mean, I yes. If you if you want to make the playoffs, you have to win every game. Period. I'm just saying there's other things to look at beyond that. If you I, don't want to look at that, that's fine. But there are other things to consider. I'm not saying I want them to lose to Buffalo. I'm just saying, like you said, they're right where we are in the standings. Them being better than us isn't a bad thing. Yeah. I'm weirdly not worried about losing to Buffalo. We always seem to play them well and score a dozen goals on them. So. The next yeah. week, in, in terms of Monday to Sunday, because that's the way I've decided to uh, to do it, just to keep it from being too unbalanced, Carolina on Monday, and then Anaheim again on Friday, and then New Jersey on a Sunday afternoon. Those are all home games. Um, Carolina yeah. have found their way into third in their division. Anaheim, we just saw, are god awful, and then New Jersey are right around the same plot. Plot right around the same area. Yeah, yeah. they're going to need three wins that week. Even though Carolina is uh, challenging in their division, so that one might not be so easy. Yeah. Even though they do seem to play Carolina. I don't recently. know. Carolina has Nino now too, so. Yeah, that might finally break the the, the curse the hur- the hurricanes have against the Avalanche. But, I, but I mean, it's like Jersey and Anaheim. Like, there's no way. Like, if we lose that the, a second game to Anaheim in yeah. two weeks, I mean, yeah, there's we deserve not to be in the playoffs. Absolutely, Anaheim are so bad they lost in overtime to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> so, assuming that the Avalanche haven't destroyed their hopes in, during that week. The, the next week is definitely the most consequential week left on the schedule. We have yeah. Minnesota on Tuesday, Dallas on Thursday, both on the road. And then there's a home, that... and home on the weekend, uh, at home and then on Saturday and then on the road on Sunday night against Chicago. That Minnesota-Dallas road trip, That honestly, that's probably it right there. Yeah, we'll, we'll know bef- going into the home and home. 
it's it's a lot Where like when they played. I think it was Minnesota and St. Louis on the road last year. They won both of those games. Right. That's pretty much what got them in the playoffs, and that's probably what this that road trip is going to be this year. I have a feeling it's going to be another season of who can tank less down the stretch. <laughs> That's kind of where yeah. we're at. It should be where we're at. Minnesota have won five in a row. It, it will not be that number by the time you hear this show. Um, but as of right now, they've won five in a row, even though they've sold half their roster for lesser pieces. But yeah, I definitely like should have. I agree with that idea. <laughs> I mean, sure, they probably won't be mathematically out if they don't win there. But I mean, realistically, if you can't win those two games, you're not going to be ahead of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, you only need to beat one of them. Like, if they can split there, and then maybe you get to the back-to-back, and Chicago's out of it by then, then you have, like, games to work with to beat one of them. But if you lose both of those, you're done, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like the two Dallas games plus the Minnesota game. I mean, it's like those three games are really going to be crucial to what happened. They're all on the road. Which is okay, I think. I almost trust them a little bit more on the road. Their record they play better on the road. Their record Except at home today. and on the road are basically the same. 13-12-6 versus 15-14-6. Basically the same. The following week, they have a second stretch of two games in seven days in March. They play Vegas on Wednesday and Arizona on Friday. Those are both home games. You'd like to think at that point that Vegas probably doesn't have a whole lot left to play for. They should be pretty solidly in it at that point and not likely to catch anybody. Arizona is going to be another fighting for that second yeah. Tough one. Yeah. That game could be scary important, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. Like They've, they've been really hot over the last two weeks. You know Whether one, that continues another three, well, well, it remains to be seen. So the final week of the season, you you would think, um, based on some who some of these opponents are, that it's very winnable games. But I could easily see the Avs losing all four of them. Uh, oh, yeah. You're on the road sure. on Monday in St. Louis. <laughs> then you travel home on Tuesday to Edmonton. Um, so you have a travel back-to-back rip. Um, Thursday is with Winnipeg. And then Saturday, you end the season right back to that same barn that Colorado just got run out of in San Jose. Now, San Jose are likely to be benching a lot of guys in that game to, you know, rest up for playoffs. But you just saw them without Carlson and Evander Kane. Yeah, and we still only lost. We've we've won one game there in the last 19 or something like that. So it's like going into San Jose needing to win to get into the playoffs on the last day of the season is just nightmare. Not going to happen. You pretty much got to make make San Jose a trade for future considerations and then have them throw that in. (laughs) They can Um, have all of our prospects. They take them anyway. (laughs) Start Pavelski in goal and maybe we have a chance or something. Oh, you still got to get shots on net. We saw that. <laughs> They've got to be. Yeah. Um, that's just. I'm not sure Pavelski's much worse than Martin Jones anyway. Got, I mean, they got yeah. 25 on goal and three went in. That I know the score was 4-3, but that game was in reality just never close. That like, was the yeah. They were just on a completely different level in the avalanche. 
So the the weeks to bank points have been both this, this last week, oops, and <laughs> and also the next two. Because yeah. after that, it's crunch time. It's it, I mean, it's either it's crunch time or you have pissed away your whole chance. The other thing is, um, I believe Dallas and Minnesota play in the last game of the season. I really don't want to go to the websites and find out, so I appreciate my sacrifice. Yeah. I lose that game. <laughs> I, I don't have the numbers exactly either, but I know Dallas has like a really hard schedule down the stretch. Let's look yeah. at Dallas's remaining schedule. Boy, this is ugly. Um, New York, Colorado, Chicago, Buffalo, Minnesota, back-to-back Vegas, Vancouver, Florida, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, Calgary, back-to-back Edmonton, Vancouver, Philadelphia, Chicago, back-to-back Minnesota. Yeah, boy, that's rough. That's a lot of back-to-backs. Yeah, and a lot of those are... That's a lot more good teams than the Avs are playing, we'll put it that way. So, I mean, you never know, but if the Avs can take care of their business, it's very, very possible that they get some help. I regret to inform you that we're now going to the Minnesota website. Let's get their remaining (laughs) schedule. Also, one thing to mention, they're, they're, they have a three-day break in between Carolina and Anaheim um, next week. They sure do. And that's that's the only real break. They have another two-day break, if you want to call it that, later on in the month. But that that's the only sort of off time they're going to have between now and the end of the season. So yeah. uh, That's how every team is, though. So I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's unique to the Avalanche. Minnesota, well, it's right, kind of, but that, it's, that's just that's that's the that's the break in the schedule they're gonna have from then it's on. Kinda it's kind of different though because it's two home games, then the break, then two more home games. I believe, if I remember correctly. So it is, yeah. So that so that's really is like a long non-travel. Yeah, they're they're home from they whenever they get back from the Dallas game this week, they're home from there until probably the 18th. So you know that that's a long time at home. Probably, I don't even, I don't even know long. if they've been home. Well, it's probably a good time for it. Um, Definitely, usually don't see a a break like that. Yeah. So as as difficult as Dallas's schedule sounded, um, Minnesota seems worse because they're in Nash. They're, they're playing against Nashville right now. They're losing. Um, then on Tuesday they travel to Nashville. Thursday, they go to Tampa. Friday, they're back-to-back in Florida. The next week, they have San Jose, Dallas, and the Rangers. And then they have the Islanders and Colorado. Those are our home games. Then they go to Washington, back-to-back to Carolina, come home and play Nashville again. Then after a brief break, they're in Vegas, in Arizona, home with Winnipeg, home with Boston, and then in Dallas. Like, that's tough. Yeah, yeah that's brutal. That's worse I than mean... <laughs> So there's I, there's no excuse now, right? Minnesota's a team that sold and has a brutal schedule. You're a team that bought and has an easy schedule. <laughs> yeah. Go win your games. Every, yep. None of it matters if you go win your games. But right, you're in a position right. now where you still do need some help. You're not going to win every single game. But one, two, and one weeks. Yeah, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's that not enough. Not cut it. But that, I think that paints a pretty clear picture that of those three teams, that's ignoring Arizona, of those three teams from the Central, Colorado are the best positioned to win some games down the stretch, which is convenient because they need to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and it, 
there is still a very, very good chance that this team can make the playoffs if they play even above average. Like, they don't have to go out there and slay. They just have to be good. And I, th- I think at this point, that's even asking kind of a lot. It is. Which is uh, unfortunate. Just, yeah. It just given what we've seen this week, you, you really can't be confident that, you know, that they're going to be much better than three points in four games type of hockey. So they've, they've got to be more, at least five points out of four games, hopefully more than more like six. Yep. So I think this has been a good show. I think we've, we've talked over each other a little bit, but we kind of need a little bit of a group therapy session after whatever we just watched. So <laughs> I, I think it's been good. So let's focus in on uh, just the week ahead. Three games to get ready for. Starting on Tuesday as the Detroit Red Wings come to town for a 7 o'clock mountain start. Then on Thursday, the Avs are in Dallas. It's a 6.30 mountain start time. Uh, they return home on Saturday for a 1 o'clock matinee with the Buffalo Sabres. You'd, you'd like to think that they get, at a minimum, four points out of this week. I, I'm torn on what to do here because we seem to be going sort of opposite of whatever we pick. Um, you know, you pick them to win nothing. They win all the games, pick them to win them all. They lose them all. So, I mean, should I say they lose them all? Yes. <laughs> Zero points then. Yeah. They need it five. So I'll put it on one. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm going to be the optimistic one and say like three. <laughs> Ours is optimistic reverse psychology. Three is just yeah. meh. They're going for. They're the, a meh team. They're going for the dater jinx here. I think, like you said, they usually play Buffalo well. They should be able to beat them at home, and they'll probably frustrate and lose it overtime against Dallas. They're not going to win in overtime. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where they get the three. But Dallas it's Farley in Dallas, record, so. Actually. Oh yeah, Varley is fantastic in Dallas, just like he is in Chicago. Which is just an yeah. odd two teams to pick, but whatever. So secretly, that's going to be a really good game for the Avs. Dallas has cool. thrown twice to us this year, too. That's really true. <laughs> <laughs> so if we're going for the Data Jinx, I'm also on team two points, one to two points. Uh, realistically, I think that four is an expectation, not a hope. Yeah, I mean anything less than four, and you're you're staring down the barrel of missing the playoffs. So you're in trouble with less. Well, this week you're in trouble with less than five. So yeah, so they're in trouble. Yeah, they're in trouble, and if you don't get yourself out of trouble, then you're you're in real trouble. You you've got to win the games you've got to win, and some of the ones that you aren't supposed to. That's how you catch up on the standings. I mean, it's only two points, but they're in it against four teams, so that's where we're at. Parting shots? Uh, Nick Malosh scored a goal today. Uh, if Cole does get suspended, I'd love to see him get an opportunity. I know Graves has been great, but you, you got to at least figure that out. <laughs> I refuse to believe that the Avalanche think Nick Malosh has an NHL contract. Oh, it it won't happen. I'm just. Kale McCarr's awesome. Kale McCarr's awesome. That's something to be happy about. 
He's got like a million points. He does have a lot. Wasn't it like 40 or something? I think it's like 36 now. He had he set the record no, for 40. most assists at UMass. I know that for sure. It's 40 now. Is it up to 40? Yeah, so yeah. he's he's the best college hockey player in the world. He's a 40-point defender in the NCAA, which plays way fewer games than the NHL does. Yeah, that's more yeah. than a point per game pace. So From the blue line. From a team that's not supposed to be good. And I, 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 I didn't see the game yesterday, but I think he was sort of underplayed versus Maine since they blew him out 6 nothing. Maybe. Why not? So, shout out Kale McCarr. Um, I don't know if we'll see him this season or not. It depends on how much longer than, than college the Avalanche play. Um, and it depends on how deep he can take his team in, in the tournament. I wouldn't count on him. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the best case scenario for Avs fans is that he loses out in the NCAA regionals. <clears throat> and signs a contract immediately, in which case he would be able to play in the last four games of the season. Um, you know that that would be those that, games. right. That would be a tough ask just to get him signed to Colorado, familiarized with the system, and inserted into a game. So I mean, it's like and in reality, UMass is the second best team in the NCAA ranked right, right. now. So like. He's going to very likely make the Frozen Four, and that basically exactly. eliminates him from playing with the Avs. But, the, but I mean, not... those games are single elimination and upsets happen. So, I mean, you know. Hey, Besser played 12 hours after he was eliminated. He played right. for Vancouver 12 That's hours after. Yeah, style, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it just, without knowing what the Avs are going to be situation wise and roster wise uh at that point it's just hard to say whether you know wh whether it'd be a real easy thing to do or, or a tough decision there are no easy decisions with this team nope oh well whatever happens this week you know you can find out here same time as always next week i believe um you can catch us in iTunes, in your favorite podcast catching device, whatever that might be. Um, anything that's RSS based, you can catch us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio. Every show gets posted to burgundyrainbow.com. I don't know how many of you actually catch it that way, but I do post them all there. And uh, you can always come yell at us about whatever nonsense we've said today on the Discord, which is linked to on burgundyrainbow.com. Three games, two of which you'd really like to have, and one of which you almost have to have. We'll see what happens if we head up into the dirty areas, and we'll see you all next week. It's pretty hard to get popped in the NHL. Yeah, you really gotta try. <laughs> yeah, it's more like they pop guys that, that need popping. Yeah, it's I mean, it's like they go, look, we know. <laughs> I mean, Richards got caught with cocaine at Border Patrol before the NHL caught him pissing dirty, so... <laughs> Nate Schmidt says hello. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Vlad. He's been, he's been listening this whole time, but you wouldn't know that yeah. if you don't read chat. I, you guys no, are too cool that. for chat. <laughs>
I have to turn my mic off every once in a while. <laughs> because it just breaks. <laughs> <laughs> it just dies if you don't kill it. No, it's, that's that's my phone. It just if I if I don't wake my phone up every once in a while, it'll it'll just go away. Which I, I I'm stoked. We made it through a whole show, and my phone didn't go away. 